Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds. Welcome to the Nerd Association podcast. I'm your host, Mark Finch, and we are joined by a special guest today. Daniel is out, so you've heard her on here before, and she's back. My wife, Jennifer Lopez. Hello, hello. That's her. She's not British, um, but right now pretending to be British, so that's good. Jen, you are in charge of this episode. You are more knowledgeable on this subject than I am, so I'm going to let you take the reins with how we normally start an episode here on Nerd Association. Do you remember? Yeah, something you ask me the question, and then I, I answer the question. No, you ask the question. I'm letting you take the reins. Oh, so that's a no. I, I don't answer. You ask. <laughs> so you go, what do you think of when I say, <laughs> are you ready now? Sure, yeah. What do you think of when I say fire and blood? Well, I think of fire and blood. And brimstone and, like, hell. Yeah, you pretty much nailed it. Welcome to King's Landing, everyone. We're back. <laughs> so, yeah, we're hitting uh, on the House of the Dragon series, which is now through two episodes. Uh, pretty much exceeding expectations as far as, like, viewership went. I think that's where it starts is, like, the huge success this has been. Because the end of Game of Thrones really left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. So there were people... Weren't really sure what they were going to think of this. Ah, should I check it out? I, I still really like it. It still looks really good. Okay. And then, boom, 10 million viewers for the first episode. HBO releases numbers for the second episode. 10.2 million viewers. So it goes up a little bit. And they've already greenlit it for season two. So I would say from like a metric standpoint, it's blown away my expectations of how many people would watch it. I think a bad taste in people's mouths is putting it lightly. I would say... Um, people were actively boycotting House of the Dragon just based off of what happened with season eight, arguably season seven as well, depending on how in the Thrones verse you are. So where were you on it? Because I, it, well, I know. Why am I asking? You're my wife. You were very excited <laughs> for it. You were ready for it. You almost wanted to have a party, but we didn't quite get that done because of a mishap with trying to mount our TV. So <laughs> instead we watched it just you and me, but you were ready for another round of Thrones lore. Absolutely. I've been ready since pretty much the end of season eight for something else because I know how good the material is, the source material from George R. R. Martin. Um, in between season eight and now, I read the Duncan Egg uh, novellas. I've read The Fire and Blood, uh, World and Ice of Fire. So I'm pretty much... I'm in it as much as you can be at this point. And um, I was confident since Dan and Dave were not having any part of this. Um, and, you know, they got a lot of like the old hitters back. Uh, Miguel Sapochnik, who was in charge of directing uh, some of the best Game of Thrones episodes. Ryan Connolly, who is very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh him and him and George have worked really closely on this. Um, Almost like a George R. R. Martin scholar. Yeah. So, um, so the show was in good hands. I was really excited about it. Um, I remember even pre House of the Dragon where they were. So I remember when they were doing um, the old Game of Thrones 
premiere, which was going to be, um, oh, pilot is what I'm looking for, for the house, not house of the dragon for the old Valyrian show. Okay. Um, and it was an utter disaster apparently. So they scrapped the entire project. I'm pretty sure they were millions in at this point. Um, so the fact that HBO had, um, had the balls to do that and move forward with house of the dragon that made me confident that this one was going to be better. Well, that's good. And so far, so good. It looks like it is better. And that's where I think, yeah, the next part of like expectations and where they met. When you look at the show, one thing I think you knew going in that was going to be great was it was going to look right. They never really lost that part in Game of Thrones. The dragon still looked good. The action was still shot really well. Huge, expansive shots of King's Landing. And really, last time we saw King's Landing, it was burnt to the ground by not these dragons, but other dragons. And now we get to see... A younger King's Landing that is very much not in rubble and actually being built up at the midpoint of the Targaryen reign. Is that about right? Where where are we? Yeah, we are post the height of the Targaryen Empire. Um, well, not empire, but the Targaryen reign in, in King's Landing. Um, we are, oh gosh... No, 172, 172 yeah. before Daenerys. So we're about four or five generations into the Targaryen line at the moment. As we said, you were very excited for it. We turn on that first episode. And what do you think as you see it? We, I had predicted that the very first shot was going to be calm, serene place. And then a dragon shows up. I was a bit wrong because we got a lot of exposition at the beginning. And then we got that shot. But... As you were watching that first episode, was there a sigh of relief that it kind of met expectations and everything was looking pretty good? Yeah, absolutely. Back to what you said before, like you feel like we're back in it and it, the look of the show meeting expectations. Um, it definitely does feel a little bit more heavy on the CGI, like we're relying on that to do a lot of the heavy work here. Obviously, they have some of the same practical sets as they do um, in Game of Thrones, but we're already working with such a different budget for the first season of House and the Dragon and in Game of Thrones that I, d- I don't mind so much. And it, it pays off in ways. Sometimes when you when you see an effect and you're like, well, well, I don't know. But then you get like, well, people who who are fans of Game of Thrones and the novels, um, you get rewarded by seeing that first opening shot of Heron Hall and just like the absolute like expanse of what that means to the moment that we're in, reintroduced into this world and what it means for um, just people who have been like really excited to see George's full vision come to come to life on screen. Although I would have liked to be right with the very first shot being that of a dragon swooping in and kind of breaking up a very serene image. Well, I you think just, you just like being right. That's true. I do like being right, which (laughs) around you, I never am. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, uh, I think though it really benefits from giving that little bit of exposition because going in the layman person knew that like, okay, it's a prequel. It's house Targaryen because it's house of the dragon. I get it, but not really like, it's not like I know all the way back. It's not like you can just start this and I'd be like, Oh, it's King. What's his name? 
to the king. What? This one? Yeah. Viserys? Yeah, Viserys. It's, it's not like people can go, oh, it's King Viserys. So it must be about 170 years before the birth of Khaleesi. Yeah. So it's it's good that they, they throw that in there and then you get that and you see you're really set. And that's the thing that I think I like most about this one is that they've done a good job of introducing really all the players so far. And because it's House of the Dragon, it's a lot more condensed than the Game of Thrones series was. So like in Game of Thrones, sometimes this isn't good or bad per se, but sometimes it's just nice to get a story that's a little smaller because you'd be somewhere that's not even Westeros with Daenerys for half an episode, maybe even a full episode. You might not even get what Jon Snow is doing for an entire episode. Brands up north doing something. What's going on down at King's Landing? Well, we haven't checked in yet this episode. Whereas this one, all the players are front and center. They so far I've showed up every episode. I'm sure you'll get the story to get a little bit bigger, but it feels like you've got a main cast of characters that you know are not only going to be checked in on every episode, but going to be interacting directly with each other. Yeah. And I didn't really think about this until now, but yeah, it was exposition heavy in that first opening shot. But, you know, in the main Game of Thrones series, we know Daenerys and we know her brother, from the first season um but we don't we don't meet another targaryen we hear about the targaryens um, except for john right except (laughs) (laughs) except for john you know i'm not anyway the rightful heir to the throne i don't want it (laughs) (laughs) so we don't we don't get to meet a lot of targaryens we don't know much about their history unless it's being told through um, you know, what other people have learned in their history lessons like Tyrion and uh, Sir Barris and Selmy. So we get a lot of inform- secondhand information from them. But being introduced to the Targaryen family proper, um, I think was really important just to get into the headspace of, okay, this is, like you were saying, about an isolated family and the dramas and political turmoils um, going on at that time. So the stage is set. We have some exposition. We see the dragons. We know it's the Targaryens. And then we get into that episode. So I think now is kind of the appropriate time to get into, as I mentioned, we're two episodes in. So spoiler alert now for two episodes into House of the Dragon. I know how people get about their spoilers. If you haven't seen the second episode, go watch it. Pause this. Go watch it. Come right back. Listen to the rest of it. Spoilers Spoilers for Game of Thrones, too. I guess. Well, I've seen some people online who are starting house of the dragon without having watched game of thrones bold i suppose you could do it though i don't think there's any so far there's nothing you get more if you know the story of game of thrones and like for somebody like you you get a ton more if you've read the books as well but i think it's a contained enough story i mean it's so far back that it's not like any of the characters some of the names the last names of these characters are there in the first episode we hear a, a baratheon mention that one stood out to me the most but I think you'd be fine to do it, but you're probably, probably, yeah, go watch Game of Thrones first. So I guess watch Game of Thrones, watch Game of Thrones, get familiar with, um, get familiar with the world and then, um, get ready for fire and blood terrain. Moving into the first episode, one of the things that I thought was funny was the Friday before it premiered, it comes out on a Sunday, the Friday before it premiered, there was an article trending on Twitter that said, New creators of House of the Dragons say that it's going to tone down on the violence and nudity that was sort of a mainstay, especially in early seasons of Game of Thrones. And the violence pretty much stayed throughout, I would say. They they started to get less and less 
nudity as time went on because they knew they had people, so they didn't need to <laughs> trick anybody into watching with uh, boobs. Boobs, I guess. Yeah, is the way to put it. That's yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was trying to be more eloquent, but you know, well, well, here we are. And then the first episode, I don't think lived up to that at all. I no, was like, I think this is less nudity and less violence. It was pretty violent and uh, visceral in some of it. I think someone forgot to tell uh, HBO Max's PR team what that first. I don't know. If, I don't know if they got to see the, the premiere before everyone else did, because mm-hmm. um, they did look kind of silly. <laughs> post premiere that was, yeah that was like the like that was like the push like i said of the weekend of like, right that it's gonna be a little different than what you expected from game of thrones and i will say this once you get into the second episode that does seem to be maybe that is where they're going right but the first episode has a castration a very gruesome birthing scene a a jousting tournament that turns into chaos where somebody just acts a guy's head into mush and the little caretaker guy throws up in the in the background of the picture is the foreground of the of the image is somebody's head getting smashed in um there's a lot of damon having sex with when, his, yeah with uh what's her name Missaria, Missaria. 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 Something like that. But yeah, and then there's like, there's almost like an orgy scene too that Damon is a part of as well. So when I saw that, I was like, this doesn't really seem like it's toning down on that. But the second episode does look like it's going more that direction. We'll see as the rest of the season goes on. You know, the darn news media, you know how pesky they can be. Um, People in the media, yeah. People in the media. But um, I think they took either a soundbite or just a portion of what was being said and then ran with that as all the headlines, um, which I think caused some of this confusion. I think it was more in the intent that there's go, there's going to be less, um, less senseless violence and nudity. And I mean, you, there's an argument to be said about how much violence in this premiere was necessary, but um, I think once we get a broader scope of like what the thematic, um, the thematic through lines for this season are, I think we're going to really understand why those were vital or uh, not even vital, why they chose to show what they did that first episode. You mentioned themes. It appears that the biggest theme of this is going to be lineage and who's in line to take the throne it opens in that expositional scene with the former king basically saying he's not keeping it in his direct bloodline by not giving it to his daughter who's this uh wait i know it rainice uh niece no rainice yes yeah i got it right it's Rainey's, but it's Rainey's? his. It's his um granddaughter. Is this a Reese's, Reese's conversation now? Kinda, yeah. <laughs> but it's his granddaughter. It's not his daughter. Mm. Either way, he gives it to her cousin. Yes. Which I guess would be his grandson still. Yes. But is she the eldest? So is that why? It's yes. Passing over she... somebody. But yeah, so we get that, and that um, basically looks like yeah, a female would be next in line. He goes ahead of that, sticks with tradition of going with a man to take over the throne, and then at the end of the first episode jumping ahead a little bit but he king viserys viserys these names man viserys viserys that's how i say it yeah i'm trying i i (laughs) I know them 
but I don't know how to pronounce them, if that makes any sense. Gotcha. So Viserys, he then names his daughter, thus jumping over what it would look like. Was Damon actually the named heir to the throne? Before no. he did, so he had not named an heir. No, he, had, he was still attempting to have a son. Yes, he to, had he had famously not named an heir. Um, so when Damon's walking around talking about how he's the Prince of Dragonstone, no, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he's just being Damon, silly, no. silly old Damon. But also, girls rule, boys jewel is going to be a big, big, big theme for this entire show. But also, like, uh, doesn't really seem like girls stick together. Seems to be a, a thing going on here that they're they're yes they the girls want to be on top but they also don't want to like carry the other ones with them. Listen, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting right now. Listen, I'm not sure when uh the think pieces for feminism and women helping women, um you know start becoming popular, but it's definitely not in <laughs> medieval Europe. Well, this which is Westeros, is, which is uh, loosely based off of uh. Fantasy. Fantasy is always loosely based off of medieval Europe. So before I'd ever watched Game of Thrones, I worked with somebody who was a really big fan of Game of Thrones. And I thought you were going to say really big feminist. I was like, just one. (laughs) (laughs) And one time we were talking about it at work. This was when I worked at UDF. And so it was just a random day. We were talking about it. And, you know, when you work like if you ever worked a retail job, you kind of have like conversations throughout the day that like get broken up by customers coming in and stuff. So it was one of those types of conversations. And at one point I like said that it was medieval Europe and that's why I don't really watch the show. Cause I'm not really into like period pieces with that kind of stuff. And then later in the day she like came up to me and was like telling me about how it's not medieval Europe, it's Westeros. And so now you a big game of Thrones fan does say that. And now I'm confused. I don't know which it is. It's midi. It's medieval fan. It's I know. <laughs> I, I'm basically what I'm saying is I was right seven years ago. Now I will say, I will say there are, there are moments where, um, people want to be like nitpicky, like, um, like the tourney, for instance, like that was way too big or that wouldn't have been done that way and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, we're missing the forest for the weeds here because, it's Westeros. It's a fake fucking place. <laughs> it's not real. Ultimately, it's not real. Yeah, should we um maybe be concerned that there's dragons? That there's like in <laughs> like there's just like commonplace incestuous marriage going on. Sure. Did I love the Danny John link up? Yes. Would I like want that to happen in real life? Probably not, but it's okay because it's not fucking real. So there you have it. You heard it here first. Game of Thrones is not real. It is not a documentary series. We mentioned the tourney. I think that's kind of the focal point of the first episode. And, you know, you've got two things going on at at one. Well, multiple things going on. But two things literally happening, at least, is that you've got that, that tournament and how bloody that is. And then the childbirthing scene, which is very also, like, gut wrenching. And then it it goes into making the decision to do something that is definitely going to kill the queen, but possibly save the, the, the child who did they, they had, they confirmed that it was a boy at that point. Not yet. They were just saying um, to save this, to save the child. Um, we're going to have to, we're going to have to do this weird um, sort of new procedure that we developed at old town. And we're basically going to carve your fucking wife open like a ham and uh, pull that 
pull that baby out, which Viserys, um, Viserys makes that decision. And I don't, I don't know. It's basically um, a primitive C-section is the kind of the idea yeah. we're given. Yeah. And, you know, to me, the, the maesters were kind of sitting on that one for a little bit. I feel like we should have sped up that process to get there. Um, but, you know, when he's in that moment, um, especially given what we what we learn later on, you kind of have to you have to kind of sympathize with him a little bit, I think. Um, you know, I'm always of the belief that like in order to really understand what someone's thought process is, we have to kind of withhold our judgments until we learn the whole story and sympathize with that person. So, I mean, if you were in his shoes and it was your wife, it's a really easy decision to say, well, I'm going to I'm going to save my wife in this moment. Of course, I love my wife and I respect her wishes um, and I'm going to consult her. But in this instance, she's already made it very clear that she's not going to be having more children with him. And uh, the it, to, in his opinion or his strong belief is that the world is relying on this Targaryen dynasty to last until the long night comes so we can save the world. So for him, it's it's a very difficult decision and it's a very painful decision. But ultimately, I think it's a pretty easy decision once you boil it down. So that's truly the idea is that because they have dragons, they should be able to combat whatever the long night is going to offer when the time does come. Which is, I mean, which is interesting because he does say that a Targaryen must be seated on the Iron Throne. Now, when we get into Game of Thrones proper, I'm not sure how true that statement is anymore, unless there's some clarification from George R. R. Martin about, you know, the books, the books ending versus... I mean, he's already said that the books are going to end much differently than the original show did. But for the sake of this series, if we're to believe that this is canon, then it sort of changes how like this prophecy is interpreted, right? Mm -hmm. um, so is it just a Targaryen being on the Iron Throne? Because then Viserys says like dragons aren't a power that man should have ever been dealing with in the first place. It's a power beyond our control. Um, that's what caused the doom of Valyria. So... Yeah, we need dragons to fend off the long night and save the world, but we cannot control this power. So it's kind of a double-edged sword here. And I'm not sure exactly what he wants. Because, I mean, and a, a big thing for him is, well, one of his like monikers is that he was the last one to ride Balerion the Black Dread. So he technically is a dragon rider, but... Um, not in the true sense, because he rode him once. And we have not seen him interact with the dragons at all. No, he does not fuck with them. He's like, they can stay in the dragon pit. Rhaenyra, go have fun. Um, you know, ride Cyrax or whatever, but it, it, it ain't for me, brav. So that's where the king stands on that. Um, while the birthing scene is going on, as I mentioned, we have the tourney with the jousting and this is where you get introduced to a lot of the characters that i think are sort of gonna like be used later and the the one guy who unseats damon from his Kristen cole from or his Kristen or crispin crispin <laughs> what is there a joke there i don't even know yeah that's what um in the second episode on the bridge goes damon says oh crispin was that your name and he goes Kristen cole you and might remember me from when I unseated you yeah. on that horse. Yeah. 
So he does that. So we get introduced to that character who's clearly going to, I think, going to have a little bit more. You wouldn't spend this much time on him, but he's kind of in the background right now. But that scene really helps you kind of know where the power dynamics lie is that Damon's definitely uh, a capable soldier, but he clearly has a lot of power behind him that allows him to kind of do whatever he wants. And that's kind of what he does as a member of the City Watch. You also get a scene that where they castrate a guy just because he can. And I think there's going to be, I guess this is looking forward a little bit, but I think there's going to be some comeuppance uh, for him that if the dragon's not around, if he's not surrounded by his men, that he might not be the greatest warrior that he might in his own head think he is. Well, I mean, at the tourney, at the tourney, he paints the perfect portrait of the petulant prince. Comes in with all that. His armor is so intricate. It's got all these moldings on it. And all the other guys are in like the spirit Halloween (laughs) night (laughs) costumes. And his is so perfect. And he still loses. Yeah. Perfect pristine. He makes a dig at Otto. Now once, but twice. He shoves the kid away. Who hands him the new jousting spear. What are those called? Uh, The, I think it's just a. What, like the spear thing? Yeah, the, the the stick. That has a name. Whatever. Yeah, it's got a name. The the big pointy sticky hit the shield thing. That's I think I think that's it. Good job. You're welcome. Um, but we learn a lot about Damon as a character. We learn about his temperament. Um, we learn from Rainies that yeah, this is a peaceful time, but this tourney is just like devolving into nonsensical violence because none of these guys have seen a battlefield in the last, like, a real battlefield in like the last 50 years. So they're primed and ready to go, and oh, we're going to spill some blood. So tensions are rising um, in the tourney, but also just in the, in the climate of, of Westeros. There's a little bit of civil unrest yes. along with like, yeah, unrest just amongst the, the varying powers across which we get into in the second episode we're, yeah. as well. We're, but, all, we're all getting antsy. Um, Viserys, Viserys is um, also famously really bad at making decisions. I was going to say he seems incapable of handling many factions almost warring with each other. Correct. Um, he's never quick to take any particular stance. Um, ultimately, that is, I mean, we're that it's being set up to be part of his downfall. Um, so we're sort of in that we're in limbo right now. It's a very, very vulnerable state that uh, the monarchy is in and that King's Landing is in. The rest of the first episode, I think, does a pretty good job of setting up that Damon's the bad guy, and I told myself I wasn't going to be the fan of the bad guy again. It helps that I don't like Matt Smith's face to start. Okay, but so I've seen such division on this. Either either he's super, super duper hot, or he's like a troll-looking doll. I, I Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I don't know, but he looks good. A, he looks he, good in that blonde wig. I... <laughs> He's definitely not a bad looking guy, but like, I don't know. There's something about his face that not, not for me, I guess. Well, I mean, more but either for, way, more for the rest of us, either way, I was, I said, I'm not going to be a fan of Damon and somebody tweeted in like Damon better than 
uh, Viserys. And I was like, yeah, but I think I'm leaning more of the Rhaenyra camp at this point. So that's the end of the first episode where that gets set up that you can tell Otto is a snake in the grass, definite snake in the grass. And he's got his little snake child in the grass, too, that he's using for his whims to kind of manipulate the king, which gets more in but see i think we're just jumping it we're we're jumping ahead too far we're making assumptions Otto's of, a snake in the grass guaranteed we're making assumptions of poor allison that i, I think are unwarranted at this very are moment are they unwarranted or do you know no i i, I genuinely feel that allison is is misunderstood in some regards um but with the f- I definitely with the first half of this season, we are getting um, the Rhaenyra highlights reel. She's coming in on dragons multiple times an episode. Uh, she's being just an overall badass, putting Otto Hightower in his place. Like She's emasculating Damon and Otto in their little right. confrontation we in sympath- We sympathize with her because now she knows the secret. Um, she feels the weight of being potentially the first queen to ever sit the Iron Throne. Her aunt sucks and is mean to her. Again, we disagree on that but we you don't think the aunt is mean to her the aunt is just trying to um just give her a dose of like a reality check um she's kind of sitting there not on her high horse because she's obviously feeling some type of way about not really being involved um in those small council meetings but um she's listening and absorbing a lot and and she's uh she is cashing in her chips before i don't know i'm really bad at metaphors <laughs> essentially she's getting ahead of herself sure she's putting he, the cart before the horse maybe that's yes, the one you were looking for yes caught before the horse yes that's cart the one. before the dragon there we go cart before the dragon and then the dragon sits on fire anyway so she's getting ahead of herself um sure she's been named the heir apparent however comma ma'am everyone is pushing Viserys to remarry everyone is saying that he has to populate um the Targaryen line so how long realistically is that going to last for and ultimately even if he didn't have any kids Rainey's knows firsthand that they will not put a woman on the Iron Throne if they have any say about it and all that stuff he just said brings us to episode two unless you have more to say of Damon absconding with a dragon and his mistress because he's all upset that his brother named his daughter the heir instead of him. And But again, that still brings us to what's going yeah. on in episode two. I will say naming Damon the bad guy is easy right now because him and his gold cloaks um, just kind of walk through King's Landing pointing at people and then chopping their dicks off. So He it's also really... has a dark dragon in the second episode and sits upon like a brimstone dragon stone okay it's that like i said it's very easy to paint these portraits two episodes in however we see with conversations with him and viserys in the throne room that uh there are very deep familial bonds here and it's not it's not as simple as he does it with corliss in the second episode too he says i will speak of my brother however i want you will not something like well like yeah for instance he goes why why do you think i act out this way you sent me away for the last 10 years i've been wanting to be a part of this council like in a very um oh in a way that's important to you and that's protecting you um and yet you shun me so um there are definitely reasons for the way he acts are they valid excuses no but 
we can we can again sympathize with this character so not wholly bad not wholly good just like any of these characters are damon bad guy uh. <laughs> that's how you feel in episode two in the middle of the episode Otto comes in and says I've called an emergency uh, council meeting with the king the small council and he's like what for and then they they, you know they quick cut to the council meeting and I like in my head I immediately go okay what did Damon do and then it is Damon he came back and okay maybe he's not a wholly bad guy but as an adult you can't just act like a petulant child all the time and me be like whoa he's misunderstood no that's true however that letter chef's kiss so good listen um i'm gonna take it's almost funny i'm gonna take another wife which is kind of like a even though they marry their sisters a little bit of a taboo taking on like multiple wives at this time i'm gonna take another wife i knocked her up she's super super low born also i stole an egg i'm getting married come visit it's in two days get on your dragon and fly here you coward like i said that's almost like sitcom writing at that point like your dumb brother is just meets this girl and decides he's getting married even though he's already married and he's like come to my wedding it's in two days yeah i mean an auto cause calls it out he calls it as it is when he gets there the mummer's farce um you know what is this uh, this desperate this desperate plea for attention from your brother is going to wind up with bodies on the ground. Um, and I, I will say like, again, there are maybe reasons for this, um, valid excuses. No. Um, Damon is constantly playing at this game. I, he has to know the stakes, right? But does he really understand, um, understand like the importance of like his actions uh long term probably not he's not really considering um when he sends that letter what what this is gonna politically for him what this means and what it means for everybody else because like i mean whispers about what the royal family's doing would get noticed especially if i mean it's a pretty high it ends up being a pretty high profile thing because of what Rhaenyra does too where she takes her dragon and goes back I mean that has to be you can't just fly Cyrax away and people don't notice in King's Landing right I would assume well it's interesting because um you know he was tied up with um he was tied up with Lord Strong up in the small council room you know talking about getting married to 12 year olds and stuff but um he doesn't realize that Rhaenyra's gone until she gets back so um kind of sneaky about it and damon is able to kind of a bumbling i used that term earlier sitcom it's Mm -hmm. kind of a bumbling sitcom dad yeah and and damon's able to steal the egg and everyone's like how is someone able to steal an egg uh, from the dragon pit without anyone fucking knowing uh and then you're like oh well it was damon they're like oh okay (laughs) that that tracks it maybe he'll get married but see the problem is he already has kids and who he's marrying clearly don't already have kids but i was thinking like can we get like a brady bunch targaryen situation yeah and they're all inbred here's the story of a brain dead king on wait was raising up a very lovely daughter no so is damon marcia <laughs> would damon be marcia in this situation is damon he's marcia got the brady? hair yeah he does <laughs> calling it now damon is marcia brady there we go damon is marcia brady no other context (laughs) hashtag damon is marcia brady make sure you tweet that out (laughs) so even though that's the second half of the episode it's kind of split into two types of conflict about the king taking another wife and 
Damon taking another wife, actually, I guess, is sort of the other conflict. Uh, but since we're on that point, let's wrap up what we're talking about there. Otto goes with the King's Guard to go get it. When they draw the swords, that's the best shot, uh, non-dragon shot of the first two episodes, I think, where they, they kind of go over the shoulder of Damon after they pull the swords and yeah. he's pointing it at Otto. That looked amazing. That, that was That whole sequence is beautiful. That is like top, top, top Game of Thrones like iconic imagery with like the smoldering um dragonstone in the back then we see caraxes we hear caraxes and then we see caraxes um and then obviously like the palpable tension and then rhaenyra and Cyrax kind of breaking the cloud covers the cloud coverage and um that i mean i my my breath was taken away i was like this is fucking awesome the dragons are kind of like a dj bass drop because they they make a little noise before they get to that point. Oh yeah, it's when, a, whenever, it, they're they're always heard before they are seen. And it's a it's a drop the mic moment. It's as mm-hmm. soon as soon as we uh, dragons come out. What what am I gonna do with this stupid little sword? I'm, yeah, Otto's just... sitting there like, well, I guess this is between them now. <laughs> <laughs> he realizes that it's once uh, Damon's dragon comes out that. Otto's like, uh, yeah, he even like almost scolds the king's guard. Yeah, he's like, just put she it. She your fucking steel. Just put it away. I mean. But then Rhaenyra comes in with Cyrax and she, Cyrax? Cyrax. 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 Whatever. I don't know. I think Reister told me it was Cyrax. Now you guys are confusing me. <sighs> Maybe. I don't know. He could be right. I'm a growing boy with a developing brain. You can't pull me in different directions. Oh, can't I? <laughs> me? Oh my gosh. Are you? You're going to be like our pseudo custody battle, me and Reeser. <laughs> Between Game of Thrones knowledge. Yeah. And you guys are going to tell me different things. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, greens man. and the blacks. I call oh. I call the blacks. Reeser can be, could be on the greens. I don't even know what that means. I'm going to have to ask one of you or I'm going to have to ask both of you and get two slightly different answers. <laughs> and then I'm going to have this two, this slightly different worldview. It's like maybe we should put Game of Thrones on both TVs and I can watch one with one worldview and the other with the other. Well, you know what? That's a val- that's a funny that you say that because in the source material, Fire and Blood, um, we're told all of these accounts by, um, by a maester. Mm-hmm. And... The point George is making is that, um, you know, what is actual real history and what's hearsay and how do those two meet and then what gets um, put in the history books, right? So a lot of kind of where the term history is written by the victors comes from. Yeah. And, you know, uh, primary sources don't exist in Westeros back then. A lot of it is... um, secondhand knowledge so what what really happened um and this series is sort of um painting that picture in interesting ways though like when we in the first episode hear um that damon has said that um air for a day comment we never really see him say it um we hear what he said because otto said it from someone else who was there but we never see him say it um so that's sort of that sort of is right, kind of, even though you were joking. Um, <laughs> it's sort of painting that picture. And even the way that it's shot is very interesting. Um, lingering on uh, in conversations, lingering on other people's faces and really getting to see um, physically what's going on inside their heads just through like their actions with Allison, you know, pulling her fingernails and stuff like that. So 
all this stuff is very interesting going forward, how that's going to play out um, a little more as we learn more things and things start boiling over tensions anyway. We talked about Rhaenys telling Rhaenyra that, oh, you're kind of putting the cart before the dragon, like we said. And it feels like she doesn't really take that to heart because then she goes and does something that like is probably only a card you can pull out once. Just bring your dragon unannounced to punk well, your your older uncle and be like, I'm in charge. You give me back I that th- dragon egg. I think it's more than that. I think after especially after that conversation with Rainey's um, when she says um, it's not that they didn't they didn't choose you. They they yielded to me. They swore their fealty to me. And um, Rainey's like, yeah, sure. Okay, babe. Um, I think. She's still And then after that, and then after that small council meeting where she tries to interject and gets shut down and sent away um, to go pick out more Kingsguard. To go play the Bachelorette. (laughs) So, um, yeah. I mean, she feels like she has something to prove, I think, in this instance. And that's sort of, you know, how am I going to prove to these lords that I can do the job and I have what it takes and how am I going to earn their respect? Um, This is just the beginning of that for her, I think. But I think also she has to balance it out and figure out, like, what is the appropriate action for certain things? This one, she kind of gets lucky because she does bring a dragon to uh, at least a dragon standoff. It's not quite a dragon fight. But you know what I mean? Like, if you bring a if you bring a knife to or if you bring a gun to a knife fight and nobody else wants there to be a gun, that's not going to be looked upon very favorably, in my opinion. Yeah. That's kind of the I mean, she takes that risk when she goes there. This could have been. This could have been a more cordial meeting between Otto and Damon. Now, she probably knows Damon well enough to know that it wasn't also going Otto. to be. Also, Otto. Uh, you, oh, can yeah, tell, you can tell in the small council meetings that they have um, they have a bone to pick with each other from the jump. So um, she knows that it's not going to go over very well. Um, Viserys is basically basically fine with being told by Otto to stay behind um i think we're we're getting a picture of what kind of leader she's going to be as far as um decisiveness goes and quick to act and you know use of force um when they say you know shit's going down on the stepstones um we've got to go handle this crab situation she's like okay we'll go send the dragon like we have very easy trump card here um let's light their asses up now is it's one way to handle a situation of course it's better than not handling the situation at all which is what her father is doing at the moment the series yeah like Otto's like this is too dangerous for you to go and he's like you know what it probably is I should stay here and drink wine and flirt with my 15 year old crush yeah <laughs> that's what I would that's actually what I would rather do you're, you're correct and that happens to be your daughter as well thank you that's, for that's, sending her in to console me yeah that's what I would do too console me I guess yeah Otto's like hey I'm gonna go deal with this um maybe you should like wear your mom's dress and like go flirt with the king sit in front of a fire and see if sparks fly he's so great that what great parenting <laughs> on, on both accounts honestly from everyone great parenting all around in westeros so this episode yeah that's the other half of it is it increases that tension that i think is starting to build for for the king that he's like i kind of like this girl she's being very kind she has some way to relate to him because she lost her mother 
he lost the mother of his children yeah. and they're relating with that and she's super into my action figures which is <laughs> even though they break one but then she gets it fixed oh my god she fixed it which a great she's metaphor by the way is it's like a like a neck beard like basement dweller guy like yeah he's he but he's all idea man too he's he's not down there hand painting the stuff he's getting it he's getting it uh built by the the masons the stone masons and then he's just playing with it at night so he's just a kid slamming action figures together but then this dragon has super fire breathing yeah power and can actually defeat the other big dragon yeah, that seems about right. Um, and then, uh, then it kind of makes sense. Maybe he is emotionally okay to, to we're not, Mary. And we're just not being fair. Poor Viserys has been through a lot, but um, yeah. It's been uh, half a year. They said it four times. Yeah, so what? <laughs> no, that's not enough time to get over what, what he went through. You but, know, and, and, everybody, and everybody's pressuring him to get a new wife, and they, they talk about the realm, or they talk about an heir, but nobody actually cares about the realm, about the heir. They care that it's his new wife has somebody that they can have favor over. So for for Corliss and Rhaenys, it's their daughter, so that they have Valyrian blood going back into the, the king's lineage. For Otto, it's so that he can possibly get more into the ear of the king, even though he's already the hand of the king. And Yeah, Otto, Otto's uh, motivations are still a little bit murky. Uh, what is his ultimate goal? I mean, obviously, he's bidding for his own power, Um but does he really have the interests of the king at heart or the realm or, you know, who, what's his end goal, I think is a really good question. And um, obviously, like a master manipulator and just in the way that he's manipulating the series, he's manipulating his own daughter, too. Um, and I think that's why, especially over the last two weeks, the discourse on Twitter has been unfavorable to Allison because um, she's also... She's also a 15-year-old girl, and she is doing what her dad wants, and maybe she kind of wants it too, but she's, be she's being manipulated into the situation to an extent, so be nicer. If Viserys were to have a child with Alicent, would that child be dragonborn, or do you have to have, like, T Targaryen or at least, like, Valyrian blood? How does that work? So um, the Targaryens intermingle a lot into diff into different um, royal households in Westeros. So yeah, as long as they're um, of the royal line, you, I mean, you could be considered Targaryen. Technically, um, Emma, which was Viserys' first wife, um, she was from the Vale. Uh, her house came from the Vale. She's Emma, Am Emma Aaron, but her mother was a Targaryen. So that's why she has that silver hair. Um, and she's still considered a Targaryen. So that's where we're at after two episodes. I am at the point now where I'm actually excited for sure every Sunday to come. You know, like we said at the off the top, you were a little unsure coming into us. At least some of us were. You were fully bought in. After the first episode, I was pretty much there. After the second episode, I was like, okay, so they've got the writing. They've got the characters. They've got the action. The dragons look good. So it does seem like they have everything in place to do it. Now, this is a weird spot for you because you've read the which one is this fire and blood is yeah. the book that it's it's based off of so you kind of know where it's going but they don't have to follow it directly and they you know as we know right <laughs> so i so i so people for those who have read fire and blood we know the very uh the broad strokes of the story um 
now again we hear like secondhand details and accounts from from different sources however a lot of those are like one sentence or a paragraph like that letter that whole scene with Otto and Damon on the bridge is like a sentence in fire and blood okay so like they're really taking liberties with the material but again they're working with George so I'm so I'm confident when they say that this is um this is really how the dance went down and started um yeah I'm taking that word as gospel we talk about this on Nerd Association a lot. I think we did it a lot with Harry Potter. But the idea that book adaptations don't have to be direct adaptations because there's a lot of things that make a lot more sense to show in a visual medium of a movie or TV show that wouldn't really make sense to write them all out and it wouldn't be very exciting on the page. So taking those liberties, I think, is a great thing that they can do. And hope you know, at least for this one, they have the source material to get to the end of this story, which is I, the big problem. I was going to say, at the end uh, of Game of Thrones. Yeah. I was going to say, particularly for these properties, um, the fact that it is sort of ambiguous and left up to interpretation, um, works in their favor because they are not held to, they're not held to the book standard of plot and, um, characterization and stuff like that. They can kind of, uh, they can forge their own path in a sense with um with the help of george and ryan so there you have it we're very excited for episode three here in the chops finch lopez household kit is here as well i hope you didn't hear our dog while we were recording she's so sad <laughs> she's kind of a dragon she's got a temperament similar to that that's what i would say for our, uh, for you Nerd Association fans, as always, please tweet into us. Let us know what you thought of the first two episodes. And maybe if you're not somebody who's read it, if you're somebody who hasn't read it and doesn't have an idea of where it's going, what might be some of your predictions for where House of the Dragon is going in season one and thus in season two and wherever it does end up going, how many long seasons it does go. As always, you can reach us at Twitter at N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. You can also email us nerdassoch at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. Dracarys. You didn't even give me a chance to sign off. That was rude. Jen, thanks for joining us once again here on Nerd Association. Thank you so much. It's great to have you on. Yeah. And we didn't talk about so many things. Well, there's only so much time. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, if you must. I'll see you at home. Okay. Bye. We're at home.